0: We're listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. We are going to be this morning in the, the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. So if you have a Bible or a device, open up to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. We've been in this book for several weeks and we're kind of creeping our way to the end here So every year in in whatever organization it is, there's a a new kind of hall of fame nominees, right? You hear, you know, it's the hall of fame game or, you know, the NFL hall of fame or major league hall of fame, or it's the rock and roll hall of fame. And I I don't know what rock and roll hall of fame looks like. So I looked it up this week because I was curious. And I saw last year that one of the inductees was Lionel Richie, which made me even more confused then because I was wondering what is the criteria to get in the rock and roll hall of fame? Is it being cheesy? Uh, is it dancing on the ceiling and say you, say me? That's not rock and roll, y'all, okay? It's something, but it's not rock and roll. So it's, I'm curious about what do you have to do to get into the Hall of Fame for rock and roll or for, uh, to get a you know, star on the Walk of Fame, right? What do you have to do to do that? You'd have to be, how many movies do you have to be in? Is there a rule? I, I don't know. I mean, do you have to be in a George Lucas movie? Do you have to be in an, actually, I, you'd have to get an Oscar? I don't know. I think you have to pay a bunch of money. It's one thing I read. Sports is cut and dry, pretty much, right? You, you're the best. In the statistics, you know, that especially like baseball, Hank Aaron, greatest home run hitter ever. Not, not Barry Bonds, he was a cheater. Hank Aaron. That's the only thing I'm going to say good about the Braves today is that Hank Aaron uh, was the best, greatest home run hitter ever. Um, but statistics, it's clear. You were the best at your position for a certain amount of time. You're in the hall of fame. Whatever it is, whether it's rock and roll or, you know, movies or whatever, it all comes down to how you perform. Right? How good you were at something That puts you in the Hall of Fame You're the best of the best It's interesting when you come, however To God's Hall of Fame Which we're going to open up today in Hebrews 11 it, It's not who's the best of the best It's actually the opposite right? It's not based on performance And don't get me wrong Some of these names that we're going to see In this Hall of Fame have Did some significant things But that's not why they're there Right when it comes to the world's Hall of Fame, it's all about performance. When it comes to God's, it's not. In fact, when this Hall of Fame that we're going to look at ends in chapter 12, he actually is going to say this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also. He wants us to be part of this, this Hall of Fame idea, which is interesting because none of you are going to be in the Hall of Fame anything significant. Yeah, maybe your high school Hall of Fame. Nobody cares. But you're never going to be Hank Aaron. You know, remember back in the 80s and 90s, the, the, like Mike, I want to be like Mike, right? Everyone want to be like Michael Jordan. Nobody's like Michael Jordan. LeBron is not like Michael Jordan. Kobe was not like There's nobody like Michael Jordan. He's the best of all time. I don't care if you disagree. He was. Right, and, and the idea that you could be like Mike, no one could be like Mike. But what, what God's word is going to say is, but you can be like Abraham. And you... Yes, you can be like Rahab and like Sarah and like Gideon and like Samuel and like fill in the blank. And so the question we've got to ask today is how? How can I be and quote God's Hall of Fame. Not that he's writing more scripture, he's not, but how can I be like these who are in God's Hall of Fame? Because if it's not based on performance, which is praise God, it's not, then what is the criteria? That's what we're gonna look at today as we look at the, start looking at kind of God's Hall of Faith, Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. We're just gonna cover the first 16 chapters. And and where we've been, if you're kind of a guest of ours, is this book has been written to a, a Jewish audience, some who have abandoned Christ and gone back to the Old Testament law. And this writer, whoever he is, has been saying, don't do it. To those who are kind of teetering on the faith, don't go back. He's warning them, but he's also encouraging them. Press forward. Don't go back. Jesus is better. He's superior. Why would you go back to that? And for 11 chapters, he's argued the superiority of Christ in different reasons. And he's kind of in that practical section now. And last week where Clint left off, he he quotes the, the prophet Habakkuk. He says, my righteous one shall live by faith. Yet you will live by faith. And then he says at the end, he says, we're not those who shrink back, we have faith. So so what does it mean to, to walk by faith? Right, to live by faith. And understand this chapter 11 is not how to be a Christian. It's not how do I get saved. This is what does it look like when I am a Christian and I'm living my faith out? That's what this answers. So if you're like, this is not a chapter on justification. this is a chapter on sanctification. How do I live out the faith that I have in Christ? What does that look like? And he's gonna not as much tell us exactly what it is, except he's going to show us. He's going to say, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. 19 times, these people did this. He's just going to give you examples to look at. So you can say, oh, okay, I get it. That's what faith is. So we're going to do that as we walk through this chapter. I'll I'll, real quick show his candidate. He gives a a work in progress definition. It's not a comprehensive, but it's a helpful start. So we'll define faith a little bit, make some observations about what it is, what it's not. And then we'll just look at, what does it look like for me? Because I don't care if you can define it. What I want you to do is be able to go out and live it. That's what we want. That's by faith. So he starts in verse one saying this, famous verse. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things that are not seen. So whatever faith is, it pertains to kind of two ideas. Number one, things that are hoped for. And number two, things that aren't seen. And what's interesting about that definition, it's a very generic definition It could apply to faith in general, right? Faith in anything. It could apply to, let's say your favorite team had 104 wins this year and had the uh, MVP playing right field and the uh, Cy Young Award winner going to start in game one and in game four. And you're sure that you're going to win against those boys from Philadelphia. You're positive that you're going to beat that Philadelphia team. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. I was going to wear a Phillies jersey today, but I know that it would distract you from Jesus, which is not what I want. But, but you have a lot of faith in that team. There's no reason we shouldn't win this game. I'm certain of it. I, have, I know it's going to happen, and it doesn't. It could apply to that. It could apply to, I should get the promotion because I've been here for 10 years, and I've gotten the master's degree and the MBA and I have this and this. Look at my performance reviews. I should get it. It could apply to that even. I'm sure of it. It could apply to a religion that says, if I blow myself up in the context of war and I take a bunch of people with me, then I go to paradise and I get 72 versions. It could even apply to that. Because here's the deal. Here's the essence of faith. Faith is only as good as the object of its faith, right? You put your faith in a team, I have zero. Let me just tell you right now. I have zero faith that my team will win the World Series. I know this. Because what we do always is get close and then we get our hearts ripped out. That's what we do from Philadelphia. This is how it works. So I know, I have no hope in that, right? But that's the idea. Your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. So, so this faith here, the definition is generic, but he's not talking about generic faith. He's talking about a very specific, our faith, our Christian faith. Let me highlight kind of a couple ideas about Christian faith from this passage. Number one, faith begins with God. Ultimately, faith Begins with God. It's not some, you know, uh, positive thinking, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's not kind of faith for faith's sake, and I just, I'm thankful for my faith, and I wouldn't be getting through without my faith. Well, your faith, what does that mean? Well, just my faith, you know, just, I have faith in faith. It's not that. It's not some religious feeling. Faith starts with God ultimately because, number one, faith is a gift from God, that salvation is a gift. By grace you have been saved through faith, and it is a gift. Your faith, understand this, it's your gift. God gave you the faith to believe. God drew you to himself. God opened your eyes. You were dead. He made you alive. And he gave you the faith to believe. You think, no, I investigated and I did all these things and my parents told No, no, God opened your eyes and gave you faith. It is a gift. It starts with him, first and foremost. But not only that, faith is always rooted in, in something that we have been revealed. It's always a response to God's self revelation. Paul says this, faith comes from hearing, from hearing and hearing by the word of what? Christ. That's the faith we're talking about here. These people were were, were pursuing the law. They hear about a Messiah who was crucified, who's resurrected. They hear about that and they put their faith in that. Faith at its most simple, y'all, at its most simple, beginning with God is taking God at his word, period. Now you have to have his word it's not just faith in faith, it's faith in something, but it's taking God at his word. And so he says it's the assurance or it's the realization of things hoped for. That word that's assurance, it's in, in verse one there. It's the same word that's used in chapter one of Jesus is the exact nature of the father. It's, he's the realization of the father. Our, our faith is the realization of those things that we hope for. And hope is not in the Bible. We've talked about this before, just, well, I hope, I hope my team wins. I hope the market doesn't crash. I hope so-and-so wins in the election. It's not that. Hope is a confident expectation of something. It's expected. So my hope, again, is not that my team is gonna win because I know we're not. Do you know what my hope is? My confident expectation is? It's that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me so that where, I, where he is, I may also be. That's where my hope is. My hope is is that there is no condemnation for Bill Fowler because Bill Fowler is in Christ Jesus. That's where my hope is. My hope is that I can cast all my anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for me, right? My hope is in the fact that he promises me he will never leave me or forsake me. So though I feel alone, I am never alone. My hope is that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, all five foot five and three quarters of me. Because God don't make no jump, even if it's short. (laughs) My hope is that if God is for me, who can be against me? My hope is that my God will supply all my needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. That is my hope. My hope is that he who began a good work in me will one day complete it. See, I am confident of those things. I'm not confident that the Phillies can beat the Arizona Diamondbacks, right? That's the difference. Why? Because I have... Because he said it. Because faith comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And because he is the way, the truth, the life, because it is impossible for him to lie, that's where my assurance lies. That's what faith is. It begins with God. It's secondly rooted in discontentment, which is an interesting thought. But I want you to follow this argument. If it's, if it's the assurance of things I hope for, do you hope for things that are worse or better? Man, I really, I really hope that I, that I lose all my, my money. I have an expectation of that. I think I want things to get worse, just bad, bad, bad. No, our hope is in things, expectation of things to get better. So as I get older, my hope is not, well, I just hope I don't hurt as much. I do, but my ultimate hope is not that I just, that my knees don't hurt as much. My ultimate hope is that one day God's gonna give me a new body where there is no pain and no tears and no remorse. That's my hope. It's not that I just live a really long life. I lived a 99 years old. I just want to live really long. No, my hope is that death no, has no sting anymore, that I will be resurrected. That's my hope. It's not that I just, oh, I, I stop sinning. No, that sin is completely removed. It's not that, well, I hope enough to retire. It's that my treasure is, is not going to get eaten by moss or rust or the IRS or inflation because I'm going to store up treasure In heaven, that is where my hope, it's better. And so if we're gonna go on, if you jump down a few few verses in this chapter, verse 16, they desire a better country, is what he's saying about all these folks. A heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Verse 14, "They, they make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. The idea of faith is that there's something broke as a joke here, and this is not it, and there's gotta be something better. Something better. How do I know that? Because God said it. So that I can't be content with this. I got to look for something better, something that God has revealed. And here's the third aspect of, of faith is it's not based on seeing. In fact, it can't be. You realize that one day I will no longer have faith in Jesus? You say, well, what are you going to fall away from the faith? No, I won't need faith because I will see him face to face. That's not faith. If I see him, it's not faith. I can see him, All right? This is why Paul says faith, hope, and love which one's the greatest? Love. Why? Because love will endure forever. My faith will be my eyes. I'll see him. My hope, I'll be realizing it. It's in front of me, but love will be it forever. Right? Here's how this looks. So again, going back to my illustration of, of the uh, this, this, this baseball series. So my boys and I are watching a game. And, and, you know, this is different when I grow up, we listen to the radio or we watch TV, but now everything's streamed, right? And so it's There's lag. You realize this? Some of you have this, and so it drives me nuts. And so I'll be, we'll be watching on Xfinity, and I can't take it. It's too much pressure. And so what I do is I pull out my phone, and the ESPN app has no lag. And so it's like 45 seconds ahead. And so let me give you game two because game two, y'all won, right? Okay. So here's what's going on. Uh, Austin Riley comes up. Two outs. You're down by one run. And we got our pitcher who has been a stud all year long. And me and the boys are like, we're nervous. And we're pacing around. Like, I can't take it anymore. I can't wait for Xfinity. And so I pull out the app and I see Austin Riley hits a, a two-run home run. I'm like, you are kidding me. Boys, you won't believe what just happened. And I throw the phone down. I say, like, he threw a he gave a home run. Right? And then 45 seconds later, what happens? I watch Austin Riley and I throw up. <laughs> now, I already knew it happened. I believed it. But once I saw it, there was no longer faith. It was faith when I saw, I can't believe it. We did this the whole, the whole time, by the way. I don't even know why I watched the game. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm like, we won the game, you know. And then we have to watch 30 more seconds. Yeah, you know, we're celebrating 30 seconds later. But that's the idea. I already know it. Why? Because I, I, I see it here. It's written. But then it actually happens. That's the idea. Faith is not based on seeing, right? It's, it's, and you don't have to check your brain at the door just because you don't see. Because The thing is, well, if you show me God, then I'll believe. No, you won't. You know why I know that? Because they didn't believe Jesus. And he did a lot more than people can imagine, raising people from the dead, healing people, never sinned, and they didn't believe him. Well, just show me God. God has showed himself. You realize this? He's made himself very clear in at least three ways. Number one, through creation. Number two, through his word. And number three, through the person of Jesus, who is the exact imprint of the Father's nature. And people don't believe him. But understand, you don't have to check your brain at the door to believe in Christ. There's plenty of historical evidence, right? There's plenty of everything evidence, uh, but the idea is you're not going to see it. If seeing is believing for you, then then it's not really faith, right? It's not really faith. And then verse two, real quick, one more aspect of it. For by it, by faith, the people of old, literally the old people, the elders, received their commendation. The, The people of old, all the people in the chapter were commended, the idea is by God. Why? Because of faith. And what's interesting is we look through this list. We don't have time to deep dive on all these people. You can go deep dive. In fact, I would encourage you to deep dive on them because you need to know these, these men and women because they're significant. But if you look at their stories, they don't belong in the hall of anything, the hall of shame, most of them, because there are a bunch of scoundrels. There's only two of them that I can find that nothing bad is written about them because really there's not much written about them. But all the rest of them, let me just give you the highlights. There's several murderers. One guy kills his own daughter on purpose. You have multiple adulterers, right? You have a prostitute. You have a bunch of cowards. Just scoundrel on top of scoundrel on top of scoundrel. Yet it says they were commended by God. Now, how is that the case? Because in God's Hall of Fame, it has nothing to do with performance. It has to do with what? Faith. Your faith matters. And this is the last thing I want you to get. Your faith matters to God. It's significant. He says in verse six, without faith, it is impossible to please him. You cannot please God without faith. You realize that you can please God, not to make him love you more, not to make him give you more favor or whatever, but you can please him by faith. What did the disciples constantly get rebuked for? They did a lot of dumb things, but what they're constantly, constantly rebuked for, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? What did God commend people for? The centurion, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. It wasn't their church going how much they gave or how gifted they were. It was their faith. And what I want us to see is taking God at his word, real simple, it matters to God. It's significant to God. It's what puts you in the hall of fame, right? It starts with God every time. It's a gift it's about him. It's rooted in not satisfied with this, something greater. It's not based on seeing. And ultimately, it pleases God. And what I want to do then is said, okay, what does it look like then? When, it, when it's lived out, what does it look like? That's where he's going to go for the rest of the chapter. Here's what it looks like. And I'm going to give you just, we're going to work through fast again. You'll have to deep dive on these stories because I don't have time to read them all. But I want to give you just one word to think about with each one. There's multiple applications for each one. But I'm just going to give you one thought for each, and you can work through and Maybe in your groups, you can come up with more, but... Let's start with verse three. I think this is the most significant one. And the reason why is that third word, we. By faith, we. Underline it, circle it, highlight it. All the rest of them are by faith, Moses, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Rahab, by faith. This one's by faith, we. We, understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. He's gonna work chronologically. He starts right at the beginning. And the whole point is this. everything that is visible has its roots in that which is invisible that is god in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth period now there is a reason why that verse is probably the most attacked verse in all of the scripture because if you cannot believe that then why should you believe anything else And what I want you to grasp this morning is this. The start of the walk by faith, the life of faith, it begins with acknowledging God as creator. That there is a God and you ain't him. There is a God who spoke. There was nothing and then there was something. Right? That, That is the starting place. Foundational to knowing this God is knowing this God as creator. And when you deny that, when you believe the philosophy that, you know, out of the goo, into the zoo, hooray, that's you. That's your, that's your worldview. When you buy that, God says, well, if you're gonna deny the most simple of truths that I am the creator, then guess what? Then I'm gonna let you be a moron. And that's strong words, but that's exactly what Paul says in Romans 1. That's exactly what the wisest man ever walks. Solomon says, the fear of the Lord is the... Beginning of knowledge. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you don't have knowledge. Right? When you deny the creation and the creator, God says, okay, you can believe whatever you want. And that's what Paul says. He says, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they, everybody is without excuse. There is nobody that can walk the planet and say, I don't know if there's a God. Now they can say that tree is God, or that star is God, or that river is God, and they can worship the creation rather than the creator who is blessed. And what God does when people respond in that way, he says, okay, then I don't need to give them any more truth. I've given them all the truth they need to know that there's a God. They've rejected that. They've worshiped the grass. And so he lets them continue in their foolishness. That's Romans 1. And so the starting place for the, for the walk of God is there's a God and I'm not him. And you know, we can talk, you know, we're going to get into Genesis 1, I believe, in the spring. So we can talk a little bit more about this. But here's the deal. God says there was an Adam and Eve. There was an Adam and Eve. Right? And the reason I know that is because Jesus believed in Adam and Eve, by the way, because he goes back to that for his view of marriage. The apostle Paul believes in that. That's where he gets... The, the idea that there is a sin, that we're sinners and we're all in Adam. Uh, the half-brother of Jesus, Jude, believed in that because he mentions them. Um, but The gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke believed it and time and time and time again. There was an Adam and there was an Eve. Do I, I understand all that? No, I don't get it all. I don't need to. Why? Because it's unseen and I can trust what God has said. And, and if he's wrong, then we're all doomed anyway. That's the idea. I don't need to check my brain at the door right? It actually takes a lot more faith to believe that like two billion years ago, you were an amoeba with like little tentacles floating around somewhere, microscopic. It takes a lot more uh, faith to believe that was you two billion years ago. And now look at you, man, you've come a long way, sir. Thank you. You went to Georgia Southern. Congratulations. You were an amoeba just two billion years ago. Thank you. I, it takes a lot more faith for me to believe that rather than there's a God who creates me in his image to glorify and know him. It's a, that, that, that's a lot more logical to me. That this one Christ, that this one who God has spoken to us in many ways in his last days, he has spoken in his son, who is the creator, who is the sustainer of all things. It's much easier to put my faith in that, right? And that's where it all starts. It's a starting place. That there is a God, he is creator, and you're not him, right? And then he continues, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous having commended him by accepting his gifts and through his faith though he died he still speaks you can go back and read this in Genesis 4 Cain brings the best of his fruit of the ground he brings his tomatoes and apples and cucumbers and lettuce and Abel brings a blood sacrifice and God accepts Abel's and not Cain why well God's not a vegetarian that is true But that's not why, because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's somehow Abel knew that God had established that blood was the way. How did he do that? Genesis three. And Cain said, well, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to bring my best and I'll impress God with my best. And God even gives him a chance and says, if you do well, will not you be accepted? Sin is crouching at the door, Cain. And what does he do? He doesn't do well and he kills his brother. But here's the key word for us. I want us to get a life of faith means there's a life of humility. You have two brothers. One did it God's way, said, God, this is the way you said to approach you. This one said, I'm going to do it my way. I know better than God. I will do bring my best. And which one was righteous? Which one's faith speaks? The one who humble. Why? Because God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Why? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And look back at your life. When you did it God's way versus your way, how did it work out when you dated your way, when you did money your way, when you took that job your way, when you did fill in the blank your way versus God's way? Yeah, exactly. Exactly, right? And, and this is what we're seeing in churches, by the way. Churches say, we don't need the word of God. We'll come to God on our terms. We don't need, oh, that doesn't really mean that. God didn't really say that. Really, really? No, no, no. We know so much better. It's 2023. So much smarter, and that's all that is—is Cain bringing a bunch of squash, saying, "Here, God, here's what I got." God, don't need your squash. He says, "You come through my son, or you don't come at all." That's the way it is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And I love that end, saying this: through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Abel—all we know about Abel—he was killed by his brother, and he had a good sacrifice, and he was the first prophet in the Bible. But 7,000 years ago, he was murdered and it says he still speaks to this day, his faith. And so uh, the lesson here for that is, look, faith is powerful, y'all. And and our goal as parents and grandparents should be not to pass on, you know, generational wealth. Because that generational wealth is here and there. And it doesn't last. They're going to sell the beach house. They're not going to use it. But what will last is you passing your faith down to them. That is something that will last. And that's where we ought to pour. That's where we ought to think about. How can I pass on, not this million dollars, how can I pass on my faith to my kids and my grandkids and maybe my great-grandkids? Next guy. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. This guy's fascinating because I have no clue what to do with him. All right, if you read his story in Genesis 5, here's the story, Literally. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. That's his story. <laughs> Isn't that great? And I think there's prophetic implications for the church and how Jesus will remove the church. I, I, I think that's there, but that's not the point of this, right? The point is this, is here's a guy who lived in a very dark time, right before he was grand, the, the grandfather or the great-grandfather of Noah. Very dark time. No Bible, no Bible yet, yet he walked with God. And it was just, it's this idea of he's walking with God and they're walking and one day God's like, hey, You want to sleep over? Yeah. And they just, he sleeps over forever. He's one of the only two, there's only two guys in the Bible that don't die ever. Right? And Jesus is not one of them. Remember, he did die. Elijah and Enoch. The only two guys that never died. God took them. Why? He was commended as having pleased God He lived a righteous life. He walked with God. And then he goes on to say, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Why? Whoever would draw near, the idea of drawing near, he he drew near to God. He walked with God. You must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. He sought God in a time when nobody sought God. And here's a key word for you. Simple but profound, right? You want to live a life of faith? It's about your relationship with Christ. It's pure and simple, right? Not coming to church, that's low-hanging fruit, y'all. That's, that's easy. You walk with God. Talk to God. That you would wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, man, I am prone to wonder. Help me today. Speak to me. Show me something in your word. I'm casting my anxiety in you. I got an exam today. I got a surgery tomorrow. I got... Friends here, I got this relationship. you casting your anxiety. You're talking with him. You're trusting him to take him. And then you're opening his word and saying, I, I trust that this is your word. I don't get it always. I don't understand that book of Ezekiel. I'm gonna stay away from it. I'm gonna go to Mark. But I'm gonna read it and I want you to speak to me through it and it's living and active and, and I'm gonna trust it's true and I'm gonna try to obey it best I can. That's, that's hall of fame right there, y'all. Take a step of obedience. Believe God. Take him at his word. He rewards those who seek him. And again, I'm not trying to be all churchy and read your Bible and pray, but here's the deal read your Bible and pray. Because it doesn't matter what you do in public, it's what we're talking about in private. Your private, private time with the Lord. Right? And if you draw near to him, he promises, I will draw near to you. You seek him while he may be found. Right? Next one, Noah. If you don't like these miracle stories of the Old Testament, you're gonna have a problem in the next couple of weeks, all right? Just so you know. If you don't believe in, oh, I don't believe in Noah. Well, I'm sorry about that, Jesus believed in Noah, right? By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen and reverent fear constructed an ark by saving, but for the saving of his house. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Here's Noah's story in a nutshell. God says something's gonna happen that never happened before, rain. He tells him to build something that no one had ever built before or seen before, a boat. It took him several decades to build it, right? Some say up to a hundred years it took him to build the ark, People thought he was nuts, that he was cuckoo for Cocoa Buffs. And the whole time he's building it, you know what he was doing? He was preaching. He was a preacher of righteousness, is what Peter says. He was telling, hey, everybody, judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. And the day that he entered the ark, the gospel say that everybody was eating and drinking and giving in marriage just like they always were, not knowing that judgment was there. He did what no, he he stood apart. And he never saw, he'd never seen rain, y'all. And God says, I'm gonna rain on the earth. What's rain? Just trust me, it's bad. Build a boat. What's a boat? Well, here's the, here's the blueprint. Just build it. It's huge. And you don't think people mocked him? I mean, people mock the ark up in Kentucky right now. Right? You don't think they mocked him, yet he was faithful. And here's the word for us in this one. Living by faith means you're gonna be distinct. When the world is all, whew, that you're willing to go this way. You're distinct in the way you date. It's different. It's just different than everyone else, right? And the way you spend your money, you're generous. It's not about you, it's not about you, not you. It's the way you work, that you see your work as ministry and not just some way to pay the bills. It is a way to pay the bills, but this is the way that you glorify God when you show up tomorrow. The way you do school, the way you study, the way you treat people, treat your enemies, it's all distinct. That's living by faith. You don't have to do great things. You just have to take God at his word. This is what I said. You shall be holy for I am holy. You're distinct. That's living by faith. That's what Noah did. And he became a proclaimer of righteousness and he became a model of those who are saved by faith. Right? That's what he did. Next one. Abraham. We've spent many years, many months, weeks on Abraham a couple years ago. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He was in, in, in the uh, area of like Iran, Iraq. God said, I want you to go to a place you've never been before. I'm gonna give it to you. Leave all your comfort, leave all your family, leave all your security, and go. And so by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him, See, of the same promise. Never, never build a big old house on the top of the hill, just live in tents, wandering around, wandering around, wandering around, not knowing how it was gonna turn out. And here's, here's a word for you. If you wanna live by faith, this is the, maybe one of the harder ones, uncertainty. Sometimes God is gonna call you to step out and do something and he's not gonna promise what the result will be. And you're not gonna know what the result will be. And it may be very difficult and may cost you. You know, this idea, if you watch too many TV evangelists, you'll hear, well, if you just walk by faith, then everything will go great. Yeah. How'd that go for Paul? How'd that go for Jesus? How'd that go for all the apostles? How's that going for our brothers and sisters in Iran right now? Don't buy it. You walk by faith. It will be hard sometimes. Sometimes right? Because you're going to, your boss is going to tell you, you need to do this and fudge numbers and compromise your morality and your Christianity. And you're going to say, I cannot do that. And okay, God, I'm trusting you. And you're going to get fired. And you're going to say, wait, I, I obeyed God and you still got fired. What are you going to do now? Now, does that mean God won't provide for you? No, I'm not saying that. But just because you follow and trust doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Just know this. Just know this, Right? But if, if you're going to take God at his word and step out, you know what? If I'm going to, well, we're, we're in, I'm in this relationship and it's immoral and I know we shouldn't be dating this way and so I'm going to go to this, I think we should either break up or just start living for Christ and not, this person might break up with you. And you know what? You might say, well, I, I'm, you know, I may never get married if I don't, you know, what's going to happen? There's uncertainty there. There just is. Some of you, you're still not trusting God with your finances. And I'm not talking about you who are, you know, you got plenty of money. I'm talking about those who you're scraping by. And I, trust me, I don't want your money. I don't need your money. But you're you're, you're, you're not giving in, in faith to God off the top. You're just like, well, we're, we're, and, and, and you know, like, I don't know how I can do that. We don't know how we can do that, Lord. And you don't know what, you're not going to step out and see what God might do. He might keep you at the same need. It would just be miraculously you've been be trusting him. I don't know. You might be feeling like God's calling you to serve in a certain area or do this one thing, but I just feel inadequate. I don't know anything. I don't know, but I don't know how it's gonna be. Well, there's so many better people than me. I don't know how it's gonna turn out, right? Or here's one that you see constantly. Well, you got a job opportunity in Cleveland making two times what you're making right now, okay? Wow, what would the world say? You better go, go to Cleveland. Let me tell you, if you've ever been to Cleveland, Care how much money they give you. I'm just telling you. But anyway, I mean, I'm sorry, Browns fans. Uh, is that, is that what God's wanting you to do? Maybe God wants you to live content because you got great community and the church loves you and you're hearing the truth and your kids are growing. And I don't care if it's two times the money, three times the money. Maybe God's calling you to go. Maybe he's calling you to trust him here, but I may not get a promotion. So who cares? You content? You, you got good friends? You got good family? Yeah. I don't know, but here, here's the thing. Sometimes faith requires you to not believe. When we moved to Dallas, Texas, I had no clue what was gonna happen. When we tried to plant a church in Savannah, Georgia, I had no clue what was gonna happen. No promise of, oh, we're gonna be, yeah, no. But that's, that's the part that's unseen. Does God calling you to do this. Okay, I trusted his word. Boom, we go. And we leave the results to him. And if it causes me to, to be, be beheaded for the name of Christ, then I get to be with him. And it is much better to be with him, right? That, that's what he says. And the idea here is this. They're all, Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations. He's not looking for Canaan. He's looking for something bigger. And that's what we all are, right? That's what we all are. And his wife, Sarah, she received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she was considered by him faithful who had promised. If you read Sarah's story, this is an interesting verse because I don't find any faith in her story in Genesis. You know what I find? I find a woman who manipulated her husband to have a relationship with her handmaiden, which by the way, the war that's going on right now is because of that, because Ishmael, right? So she did that. And then when when the angels and God himself shows up in 20, 25 years after the promise that she was gonna have a son, uh, says next year, Sarah's gonna have a son. She laughs. laughs. That's crazy. And then God says, why is Sarah laughing? And then she lies to God. Who just heard her? I didn't laugh. That's what I see. And guess what happens? She gets pregnant with Isaac, who gives birth to Jacob, who gives birth to Judah, who gives birth to David, who gives birth to, to, to the Messiah. And it, what it says is uh, that, that she, it never, it, the verse says that she considered him faithful who had promised. I don't see it. But here's the, here's the encouragement for us she must have had some faith, even if it was a little smidge. And here's your key word amount. It's not the amount of your faith, it's the object of your faith. And Jesus highlights this when he says, if you have faith of what? A mustard seed. Just a little faith, right? And through her little faith from one man, and him as good as dead. Don't you love that about Abraham? He's as good as dead. (laughs) We're born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, as many as the innumerable grains. Guess who's a descendant of Abraham? Ultimately, by faith, us. Why? Because she had a smidge of faith. How much can your little faith do, single mom? How much college student, high school student, grandparents, just a little faith? I don't know, but apparently a lot. And then here's how he closes. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Isn't that a fun statement? They died not getting what they were promised. But having seen and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have gone, had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Here's the idea, last thing. Walking by faith, you remember that you were an exile that you are a sojourner, that this is not your home. And the problem with some of you is you think it is. And you're living like it is. Right? You're trying to live your best life now and get as much as you can, any way you can. And you're building barns and you're filling your barns up, not recognizing that one day your soul will be required of you. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have stuff. If God has given you stuff, great. Steward it well. That's one of our core values is stewardship. But here's what I am saying. To live is Christ and to die is gain. That's what Paul says. That's, this guy says they're looking for something greater. All, most of those guys on this list, by the way, were wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. Jacob was wealthy. Isaac was wealthy. Moses. These guys had stuff, but they weren't satisfied with this. They were wanting something better, a city that lasts forever. Jesus is the cornerstone. Peter says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. What you do today will impact eternity. You gotta know this. It will. The way you live today will impact your, I don't know what that means, by the way. I don't, you know, people, are you gonna have treasure in heaven? Great, what am I gonna spend it on? Do I get a bigger house? Do I gotta go buy it by the water? I mean, I don't even know what that means, but I know it's true because Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful a little. Here, now you have more. What does that mean? I don't know, but it's gotta be good. Store up treasure in heaven. Okay, what am I gonna do with it? I don't know, but it's gotta be good because it's it's Christ and it's eternal and it matters. And so you can be in the hall of fame by just being faithful today, putting your faith. Walking by faith. And again, we're going to see more examples next week. Get some great names next week. We're going to see more Abraham, some Moses, some Rahab, some Gideon, some Barak. But the idea, again, remember is this faith starts with God, begins with Him, it's based in Him, it's rooted in Him. It's also rooted in a discontentment of this. It's based on not seeing, and it pleases Him. So walk by it. Walk by it. Because one day, your faith is going to be your eyes. And you see him face to face, not in a mirror darkly, but face to face. So what we're going to do now is we're going to transition. I want to remember the table. I think it's a good transition because Jesus says to the disciples the night before he was betrayed that he broke bread and he gave them a cup. And he said, I'm not going to drink this again until the kingdom. And then I will. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that when we partake, when we celebrate specifically the cup, that we proclaim the Lord's death till what? Till he comes. I am confident he will come. Why? Because he said he would. Right? I am assured and of that hope. I, I, am, I am convinced of that truth. And so this is a chance for us to remember that. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, we invite you to partake. If you're not, there's no pressure. We invite you to actually abstain, that let the cup and let the bread pass. Because it means nothing. It's just a cracker and a juice for you. But for those who have put their faith in Christ, that he is the creator, the sustainer, that by him, for him, through him, all things exist, that he, as God, left heaven, became a man, lived a perfect life I couldn't live, died in my place for my sin, nailed to a Roman cross, pierced for my transgressions, crushed for my iniquities, risen again on the third day. Hallelujah. And so we remember that, Right? His body broken, his blood poured out for the new covenant because the old covenant, we couldn't get it. So I want you guys just to take some time as the the men and women hand out the elements. You guys can come down and start handing out because we've got a lot of people in here. And take some time, confess some sin, celebrate God's grace to you. Put your hope back in him if it's wandering. There is no condemnation in Christ. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And then, when you're ready, you partake there in your seat, and you can stand and sing as as the worship team uh, sings over us. Let me pray. Father, I ask that this time would be special as we proclaim your death until you come. That we would be found faithful. That our faith would increase. Help our faith. Help our faithfulness, because when we are faithless, you still remain faithful. And so we're, let us put our hope in what you have said and what you have done. Let us not waver. Let us trust. Pray in Christ's name.